Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. If the turkey and stuffing with all the fixings doesn't put you to sleep, this show sure will. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine. It is Tuesday night of a Thanksgiving week. Hey, guess what? This year I don't have to do a show on Thanksgiving, so I'm somewhat thankful for that. We'll see how Thanksgiving Day goes. Uh, in tonight's show, though, we're going to talk in pipe parts. I've realized we've never talked about how to date a Dunhill. Yeah, dating a Dunhill pipe. No, I don't mean romancing it, but we'll get into that. Uh, my guest is Jonathan Lavezzo of Moonshine Pipes, a new younger maker coming out with some, uh, with some great price pipes. So I'm sure that'll be fun. And mailbag uh, music. Getting into the holiday spirit a little bit, just a little bit this year. We're going to Bing Crosby and Mailbag and then uh, Rant at the end of the show. Probably going to be a rave, so we'll figure that one out as we go. All right, Uh, as you saw on my Facebook page, yes, the holiday season has begun with uh, the City of Concord's Christmas Parade and my daughter's marching band in it. And... uh, (laughs) And I must be getting older now because for the first time ever in our lives, both of my kids have a significant other at the same time. Yes, yes, as a father of a daughter, my daughter has her first serious boyfriend. And I'd like to say that I've known about this now for, oh, I'm going to say 12, 14 days. And the young fella is still alive, which is probably longer than I thought the first one would last. And uh, my son's got a new girlfriend, so it uh, should be a, uh, <laughs> I think it's Valentine's Day around here, but no, it's Thanksgiving. And uh, for those of you out of the country that don't know, hey, Thanksgiving is a four-day weekend, and on uh, Thursday, we sit around, we eat all day, we watch football, we watch parades, we celebrate family and gathering, and then uh, on Thursday night and Friday night, we start spending ourselves into debt for next year as all the Christmas sales kick off. So we'll get into some holiday stuff in some future episodes. But all right, let's get this show going. Hope you're enjoying uh, the holiday season so far. But sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company. And here we go. I'm not just a pipe smoker. I'm a Meerschaum pipe smoker. All of my pipes come from MeerschaumStore.com. They've been in business for 50 years, and I can trust that there will be no hassles. Orders are processed and shipped fast, and they have every shape you can imagine, including Calabash, Claws, Dragons, Horror, even a sexy series. MeerschaumStore.com, the most trusted Meerschaum store for 50 years. 
Meet Aaron, one of the most important people at SmokingPipes.com. In our shipping department, he's one of the cogs in the highly efficient wheel, if you will, that's responsible for making sure your order goes out right every time. Ain't that right, Aaron? I don't know all about that cog and wheel stuff, but I do know at SmokingPipes.com, I take my work very seriously. Pulling tents of tobacco, weighing bulk tobacco, triple checking orders, and getting them out the door. Since it's so easy to order from SmokingPipes.com, you're keeping Aaron pretty darn busy. Look at him go, go, go. <laughs> In fact, it's been a challenge to get him to stop long enough to say hello. But Aaron doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why is that, Aaron? Because I don't just ship pipes. I smoke them. Gotta run. <laughs> just log on to SmokingPipes.com or call us at 1-888-366-0345. We are quality. We are experts. We are SmokingPipes.com. This is Internet Radio. Welcome back. All right, so dating a Dunhill. You would think it requires tea and crumpets or maybe a good fine ale, but it is a uh, somewhat confusing uh, set of markings on every Dunhill pipe. Now, the reason Dunhill did this was Dunhill started making pipes in 1910, but then in 1915 they came out with a guarantee. And the guarantee was if the pipe should have a problem from within one year of purchase, blah de blah de blah that they would return the pipe. So what they started doing was this date coding system. And the earlier pipes, the 1915 until about, oh, 1925 or so, the date codings are really hard to tell what exactly they are. It may be just a tiny little number at the back end of Made in England, and it may say 15 or 16 or 21 and there'll be if there's no patent number on there it's definitely prior to uh 1920 uh by the mid 1915 1916 somewhere in there you start seeing pipes that are also marked with a march patent and that's when we get into the patent era of pipes now what happened was alfred had filed and we've talked about them before several pipe related uh, several pipe-related patents, and until he got approval for them, he just wrote on their uh, patent pending March whatever or, or the filing date. Now, if you see a patent number on your pipe, it's going to say PAT and then N little O, and then the patent number may be four digits all the way up to seven or nine digits. Uh, those are patents specific to either the inner tube or the oil curing process or the sandblasting method, whatever it was, you'll, you'll find some pipes that have two patents on it. Uh, the other thing that you'll see is ones that are just marked patent, and then you'll see some that are marked U.S. patent or Canadian patent because the patents were filed in separate, uh, in separate countries. Now, every patent pipe, uh, pre-World War II, the patents are all over the place. Post-World War II, it kind of stabilizes down to one patent. And then there's also a little date code. Uh, if you hear me clicking around in the background, it's because I'm clicking back and forth between Pipedia.org, which has a simplified dating chart for Dunhills. That's from uh, Dunhill collector John Loring. And Pipefill, P-I-P-E-P-H-I-L dot E-U. If you really want to get into detailing the exact dates of your pipe, 
check out both of those websites. Uh, Post-1954, the patents go away. There are no more patent numbers on the pipes. There's a simplified dating system of a two-digit or one or two-digit number. And it starts out with 1950 being zero and goes all the way up to 19, which is 69. And then in 70, they switch it to an underlined zero or they change the they change the markings around slightly. I'd check that it's in 1960 when they change it to a zero, and then it becomes underlined. Either way, it'll be it'll say made in England, and then it'll have that. If it doesn't have a patent on there, it's post 1955. Uh, if it starts to show a Finnish name, for example, Root Briar or Briere, you're definitely looking at a pipe that is in the uh, 19. 30s or later with a patent 1954 or earlier without a patent 1955 or later the only exception to dunhill really making it easy to mark what was what was in 1978 from 78 to 82 all the shape numbers all the shape numbers became five digits and still had the same double digit uh, uh, year code on them so 1978 to 82, really easy. After 82, they went back to the four-digit codes and just started doing the year-end date on there. So check out these two websites, pipedia.org, look under Dunhill, or pipefill.eu, and look under Dunhill, and you can look through those. See when your pipe is from, or if you're looking for a birth year Dunhill, Hey, that's even easier. You just go in there and find out what year, you know, you know what year you were born. Track that backwards and figure it out. A lot of you younger guys, it's going to be a lot easier. A lot of you older guys, you're going to start getting up into some pricey pieces because those older patent pipes, especially pre-World War II, really collectible. And if they're in really good condition, they're even more collectible, which means higher prices. All right, in just a minute, pipe maker Jonathan Lavezzo will be on the phone with me. Signore, signore, scusi per favore, but what is that intoxicating and delicious aroma coming from your pipe? Oh, uh, this is Molto Dolce, my all-time favorite blend from Sutliff Tobacco. Do you like it? I found it on SutliffMoltoDolce.com. Do you mind if I try? Oh, signore, this truly is Molto Dolce. So charming that you even speak my language as it is truly very sweet. <laughs> Just like you, I am sure. I can just taste the warm caramel and sweet dripping honey gushing through my mouth. Oh, and even better, the rich vanilla flavor plays so well with the other tastes over my tongue. It is like they are all having a giant playful pillow fight on smooth and silky sheets of tobacco in my mouth. Pure heaven! Mi piace moltissimo, mi amore. Can't you see it, signore? I can see it. I can see it. And signore. Best of all, no tongue bite. Grazie un milione for the pipe, signore. Mm -hmm. Hey! 
Sightlife Tobacco Company will not be held responsible for any loss of one's favorite pipe customers may experience when smoking our delicious Balto Dolce blend in public. There's nothing quite like hunting at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and joining me from one state north, up in Virginia, pipe maker and uh, pipe smoker and uh, interesting character, so wait until you hear what we talk about, Jonathan Lavezzo of Moonshine Pipes. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Brian. Happy to be here. All right, so uh, let's get a little background on you. Where'd you grow up? Where are you from? All that stuff. Yeah, I uh, grew up in the D.C. area, up in uh, northern Virginia, just about 10 minutes out of the uh, city center of uh, Washington, D.C. Um, I now live in Charlottesville, Virginia, which is about an hour and a half south, Thomas Jefferson's hometown. We also have University of Virginia here. Um, yeah, and uh, moved down here from the D.C. area just to get away from the traffic and the hustle and bustle and the the daily uh, chore of living up there. So. Escape to a place where you could afford to live instead of trying to live to live to work. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I don't don't uh, don't much care for that lifestyle much. Um, went to went to Langley High School, uh, which is uh, just outside of uh, the DC area, right near the CIA headquarters. So I went to went to high school with all the uh, senators, children, CIA. Um, Heads children and so on and so forth, and uh, just didn't like it much. So definitely wanted to get somewhere a little, little bit further south. So. Yeah, but growing growing up near Langley, did you have a whole bunch of friends that you can't talk about? <laughs> it was funny. Uh, every every day on the way to school, there'd be guys with the uh, you know all black suits with their suitcases and their black sunglasses walking to work, and uh, you could only just wonder what they uh, what they're up to. But yeah, <laughs> I, I definitely had some. Uh, a lot of them were um, dignitaries or, uh, I'm sorry, diplomats who uh, the kids would, you know, come to school with their with their di- diplomatic plates on their cars and their Mercedes Benz, and you know, the, even the principal couldn't touch them. So, <laughs> <laughs> kind of a kind of a bizarre way of growing up, seeing that whole uh, that old side of of uh, society at a young age. I, I would imagine the principal sends somebody to detention. The principal might disappear. Could happen, could happen, but uh, but yeah. So, so now I live down in a, a nice southern town. Um, I live in a community that uh, right down the street from me is an old wool factory that uh, produced all of the uniforms for the Civil War. Um, pr- pretty cool area, and I, my house was built in 1892, and uh, used to be a, a factory. Um, Factory workers' house, and uh, just a lot of cool history here um, in Charlottesville. We've got five five uh, local tobacconists here in town, which is awesome. Um, so yeah, great great place to live, great place to raise a family. Um, and uh, when did you have a wide? I'm sorry. When did you start smoking a pipe? I've always had a pipe laying around. Um, started off with the cob, like most people do. Um, then slowly kind of got into uh, picking up a couple cheap at the briar pipes here and there, $10, $15 pipes. Um, 
and just always kind of had a pipe around in college, uh, trying out different types of tobaccos and so on and so forth. Uh, it wasn't until I um, I met uh, fellow pipe maker John Hines, I finally picked up my first briar pipe, and that was about uh, a year and a half ago or so. Um, so that got me more more involved. Once I finally got to really smoke out of a, a real a real pipe. Um, that's when you that's when you figured out how it's supposed to work. Absolutely, nothing against cops, but um, definitely the uh, the feeling of a briar pipe in your hand definitely did it for me. Uh, it was a totally totally new experience for me, and fell in love with it immediately. Could you immediately taste the difference between a a briar pipe and uh, or well, let's say a quality made briar pipe and just a basket pipe? You know, yeah. Yes, yes and no. Uh, you know what? What did it for me was was smoking a piece of art. Um, also, if you you know if you look at a lot of these basket pipes, they're only drilled out to, a, to an eighth, and it's you know you get a lot of moisture. You have to deal with the filter, all that good stuff. Um, but for me, it really had to do with holding a piece of art in your hand and smoking something somebody took their time time with and for me that kind of um made the whole experience a lot more special so when did you make the jump to pipe making well that's kind of a kind of a crazy story um we have a local well we, we had up until the uh, saloon shut down but anyway there's a, sh- a saloon right down the street from my house where they'd have a gentleman's pipe night um every month where we taste a variety of scotches whiskeys and uh and beers and kind of part them up with uh different types of tobaccos we had about 10 to 15 people who who would come every month and then the saloon um that held that event ended up shutting down through the regulations in the city you know music you know violations so on and so forth so we don't really get together anymore but anyway i met a fellow pipe maker john hines there uh he's another charlottesville pipe maker and bought a couple pipes off him um took a look at them and i fell in love with, uh, you know, what he was doing. I've got a, a background in, in carpentry and, and construction, so I definitely know my way around a piece of wood. Um, so I inquired to him about possibly coming over to his shop one night and, uh, give, you know, trying to, trying to make a pipe. And uh, he absolutely was, was open to it. So um, I found myself in his basement, in his basement shop, um, starving away at a piece of briar and... Um, I was I was hooked as soon as I started uh, playing around with it, um, and then night after night I'd be calling him up at you know midnight or so, saying, "Hey, can I come on over and you know play around in the shop?" Um, and you know it probably tested his patience a little bit because he was trying to get work done, but I was also this <laughs> eager young young pipe maker who who just you know wanted to soak up as much as I possibly could. So um, after a couple months of you know making five or six pipes in his shop. Um, I decided it was time to convert my good old 10 by 12 storage shed in my backyard into a full-blown pipe pipe making studio. Um, so I ended up uh, selling a lot of uh, a lot of the old stuff I had in my in my shed, giving away giving away stuff that people <laughs> trusted me to store and uh, but but you know refused to pick up. And I uh, went ahead and ran some electricity out there and and. Uh, Bought a lathe, bought bought a belt sander, bought a drill press, bought a couple other things on discount uh, off Craigslist, and uh, started making pipes. 
and um, that was about a year ago. <laughs> uh, and you know, it's it's been it's been a crazy crazy ride. The last the last eleven ten eleven months have just been absolutely crazy as far as um, making pipes and meeting everybody who makes pipes and getting involved in the community. And, and you know, really just and my my all my friends have gone from you know daily friends to, to, to pipe smokers, you know, like, you know, it's, it's, it's a really cool thing, um, that's happened. So. Now I saw some of your pipes at the, uh, at the recent Richmond pipe show. And one of the, I guess one of the things that excited me about having you on the show is your pipes are not overly priced. I mean, they are <laughs> extremely fairly priced to the point where you can get one for what? 99 bucks. Exactly. Yep. Um, I've got a bootleg line out that I just started um, with a series, I guess. Um, but what, when I originally started making pipes, um, you know, I didn't have a whole lot of money. Um, and I started looking around and, and saying, like, wow, you know, I, I can't afford any of this stuff. Um, 150 175 bucks. yeah, I mean, most of it, 99% of these makers are making high-quality pipes. But the problem is that a majority of the people who are just getting into pipe smoking um, can't, you know, can't afford that, you know. So my my approach to, to making pipes when I first got started was, was thinking, hey, you know, what if I could offer somebody, you know, a, a nice high-end briar pipe, uh, you know, handmade for under 100 bucks? Um, and as a new pipe maker, that wasn't too hard to do at first because, like, you know, as a new pipe maker, you can't demand $150, $175, dollars pipe. So I decided to say, hey, you know, let's go ahead and um, see what I can do with this. And um, started selling my pipes at about 90 bucks or so after I uh, started coming out with some, some sellable stuff. And, um, you know, the, uh, the feedback was great. Um, so as I grew as, as a pipe maker... You know, I thought about raising my prices here and there, but you know, the following I got, you know, it was it's just it was great because I'm getting so many of these guys who have never smoked a pipe before, and um, they come to me and they're like, "Wow, I can actually afford afford a you know a handmade briar pipe." You know, before I I just I didn't know where to go. Um, you know, I'd be stuck between you know a basket pipe um, at a local shop that you know. Twenty thirty dollar pipe, or jump right up to a high end artisan pipe at two hundred some odd dollars. You know, when you first start skiing, you don't go out and buy the nicest pair of skis, um, not knowing if you're going to stick stick to it or not. So um, I I wanted to hit that market. Um, those are the guys that I wanted to go after. Um, not only because it's going to grow the industry. Um, you know, the more people smoking pipes, the more people buying tobacco, the more people you know, listening to this radio show, um, you know, uh, I also just, you know, thought that a guy who works 40 hours a week, you know, a blue collar job, you know, works on an oil rig, works in a garage, works in construction, you know, there's no reason they shouldn't be able to afford, you know, a nice handmade briar pipe. You know, if, if you keep getting these guys smoking, you know, the cheap stuff that they can barely afford, um, you know, they're not going to want to stick to it, you know? So, um, so yeah, what I'm really trying to do is just get good quality bright pipes out to people at affordable prices, um, and, uh, grow, grow the industry. And so far it's, I've, I've, 
I've certainly seen an uptick in, in sales from guys who who have never smoked a pipe before and who are just getting started, and now they're buying two, three, four pipes. And I, you know, encourage them, hey, you know, maybe try a pipe from another maker, you know. Um, and I have no problem doing that. It's, you know, I'm trying trying to grow the industry um, in a nutshell. So. And from looking at your pipes on the website, which the website is moonshinepipes.com, spelled out correctly, yep. no tricky spellings in there, thank you, because us yeah. older people can't remember those tricky spellings. Uh, but from looking at your pipes, you've also got a, I mean, you've got a real sense of flair and style. There's some, you're playing around with different stain colors and different variations on shapes. Which are, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, I, I'm, you know, when someone thinks, you know, that's the one thing I don't want people to think is that because it's ninety nine dollars for the average pipe. Now, you know, granted, I do have pipes that are, you know, upwards of hundred fifty, you know, hundred sixty dollars for my for my nicer stuff. But you know, I I certainly don't want to be known as the guy who makes cheap, you know, crappy pipes that sell for ninety nine bucks. Um, if people look at my work, they can see that, you know, my pipes that I make, and I'm not being cocky, but the, you know, the, the, the pipes that I make are comparable to ones you, you'd spend, you know, 200 plus for, um, you know, the, the, the designs I have, you know, I, I definitely take the classics and I kind of tweak them a little bit. Um, I've got, I've got my own kind of, you know, couple, couple pipes that have become popular, like the Devil Ants, but not the Devil Ants you see everyone else smoking, a real fat stubby type. Another one called the Rocky Top that's, you know, a plateau um, with unfinished top shaped like a Dublin. Um, but these are the pipes that I can keep affordable at $90 a piece because I've memorized how to make them. I can make them fast. I can make them, you know, still high quality, but I can keep the prices low, which is what's kind of different about what I'm doing is that I can crank out, you know, seven of these in, you know, two days or so, two or three days. Um, and they're still going to be the same quality as, you know, if you spent 200 plus on something else. So we're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we're going to talk about a, a guy from Virginia making a Rocky top pipe, which is the half a continent away and a couple other shapes. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. This is internet radio. The Carolinas and the tobacco tradition have been woven together generation after generation. From the Blue Ridge Mountains to the coastal low country, it's an integral part of our culture and heritage, building our beautiful tapestry. Cornell and Deal is proud to blend our pipe tobaccos in the Carolinas. Our history with tobacco dates back to the mid-1800s, and in that time we've perfected a variety of blends. The Carolinas have given us the perfect backdrop to do just that. Whether you're a fan of the rich Virginias, bold Latakias, spicy Periques, or unique aromatics, we've got a tobacco that's just right for your discerning taste buds. At Cornell and Deal, we live all things pipe tobacco, blending it, smoking it, and enjoying the company of those who share our excitement. Tobacco, it's what we do. Stop by CornellAndDeal.com. Heck, I wish I had a genie who could make it easy to order pipes and tobaccos online. You don't need a genie, sir. Visit Fournoggins.com. They stock all your favorite pipes and tobaccos, and every order gets fast personal attention 
orders are packed carefully and shipped quickly by priority mail. Fornoggins.com Fornoggins.com I can still see you, you know. A bit rusty, sir. Fornoggins.com We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with Jonathan of Moonshine Pipes Company. And I... One of the reasons why I was excited to have you on here is because of your price range of pipes for an artisan-made pipe makes it a perfect holiday gift. Uh, So go check out his website. You can buy yourself a gift or uh, point a few people towards pipes that you may like. But let me ask you specifically about a couple of your shapes, because you mentioned the Devil Ants, which we know started from the Hatfield and McCoy's uh, mini series, yeah. if you want to call it that, but yep. in the last couple of years, and there's been a rise in uh, interest in the poker shape, uh, and I'm hoping maybe you, as somebody younger, newer into this, can explain to me the fascination with the poker shape, because, I mean, 10, 15 years ago, you couldn't find a poker on the market. Now they're everywhere. Yeah, I think... I think a lot of people like the poker because, well, first off, it sits. You know, you can sit it down on the table. You can keep it smoking, so on and so forth. Um, second of all, I don't know. It's just kind of a simple shape. Um, for me, I don't smoke a poker. I don't have a poker in my rotation. But the popularity of the poker, I think it's just because, I don't know, it's a big hunk of briar. You know, it's a simple shape. Um there's just a lot you can do with it. If you look at mine, I kind of like to put a, you know, a little bit of a cut in on the front, um, kind of make it a, I don't know what you'd call it, a, a, a can't to, uh, to the bowl kind of um, angle the top a little bit, keep the top unfinished, keep the bottom unfinished. Um, you know, and they, they definitely work well with, with rustications as well. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I've definitely got a lot of people asking for the poker, and um, I really couldn't tell you. I, I have no idea what the is, uh, is the, the po- hype is. Is the poker and the and the variations that you do on it? Is it a simpler shape for you to make? Not exactly. On, on the lace, uh, when turning out a poker, um, you've got the top, which is you know your top cylinder where the bowl is. And then you've got your shank that comes out uh, about three-quarters of the way down. And then, again, at the bottom, you've got, you know, the cylinder continues until you hit the flat bottom. Uh, on a leaf, it's a little bit harder because I have to use a certain type of jaws to hold the bowl to spin the bottom. So it's not exactly easier shape to make, um, especially when you're dealing with the classic shape. Well, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't consider a poker a classic shape, but, um, you know, there's there's definitely a, a uniformity you have to keep with that shape um, if you're going to do a you know a classic poker. Um, and I would imagine taking a round thing and making a round thing come off of a round thing. There's you, you've got to be pretty much perfect at that point. Yeah, um, you definitely have to line up the top and the bottom um, before you know before and after the shank. You have to make sure you line those up perfectly. Or else you're going to come out with something that looks pretty pretty bizarre. Um, but you know there are different variations of the poker. You've got the cherry wood, um, which is a, another cool shape to play around with. There's definitely a lot of variations you can do with the cherry wood shape. Um, 
the volcano uh, is another real popular shape right now that's kind of um comes from the poker design i guess you'd say um and all of these again can be um you can do okay, a ton yeah. of variations within the one basic shape and then you can do a ton of variations on the finish on it so maybe that's why it's so Ex- popular and it feels solid in your hand exactly yeah it's it once you hold a poker it's kind of it's kind of a nice nice feeling to the hand it's definitely different than holding um your average standard pipe um you can get a good grip on it um and i think it's just one of those new shapes you're going to see a lot of people uh, making in the future um is there so, a shape of a pipe that you're working on that you just can't get right yet <laughs> yeah oh man the bulldogs have always been an issue with me um the diamond shank i'm still working on that i'm, I'm actually smoking my uh my my little rhodesian diamond shank bulldog variant <laughs> right now that uh, I decided not to sell just because of the, the shank work I did on it. Um, wasn't exactly happy with it. But, yeah, the, the Bulldog, um, just getting the lines um, from the diamond shank to run up the bowl and to look uniform on each side, and then also having a place where the line at the bottom ends underneath the bowl is definitely a challenge that um, I struggle with, um, but I'm – I'm getting better at it, but I think I, I know a lot, a lot of other pi- uh, pipe makers, you know, have that challenge. I, I, I do believe that the, the bulldog is one of the harder shapes to make, and that's why I've really been playing around with it lately, just to kind of test my skills as far as shaping goes. What are you using for uh, stem materials and uh, bowl coating and all the other particulars? Well, I don't use a bowl coating right now. Um, I don't know if I will or not. Um, I've had a couple people ask about having a bowl coating in their pipe, um, but I have not really played around with that yet. Um, looking looking to maybe do that, you know, offer that as an option in the future. Um, but right now, I like to kind of leave my bowls a little rough. For some reason, I, I just find that they develop a cake better when they're left rough. You know, you try to throw sand it or i'm sorry you, you know chalk at a wall that's that's smooth and you're not gonna it's not gonna stick now if you throw it at a brick wall it's gonna stick um that was actually the best way that i've heard of explaining it and it makes sense from a manufacturing standpoint that if you don't have to smooth down the bowls all the way it's one less process in uh, making pipes and can keep the price down a little bit too yeah, I guess you're right on that. Um, I also recommend everybody with my my pipes. It's just a recommendation that I I give. I've had a lot of luck with um, dabbing a little bit of honey inside the pipe bowl. Um, for some reason, that that tends to build a nice cake uh, when you first get a pipe. Um, I've had a lot of luck with it, especially on my pipes. Um, I think I think the, the smoke or the the fire crystallizes the honey and and. It uh, helps the ash stick to the walls a little bit better. So, um. you know, that's one of those old fashioned uh, one of those old fashioned tricks that I don't think we've talked about on the uh, on the radio show yet. But what about your stems? Well, stems. Um, it all depends on what I'm what I'm working with. Now, if I'm if I'm playing around with these ninety nine dollar pipes, um, a lot of times they will be. A vulcanite stem, which is uh, you know your pre-made factory stem, 
that you're going to get on your Savinelli's and all, all your other factory, you know, factory style pipes. Um, I, I use those prim- primarily because, you know, it, it keeps costs down. Like I said, my whole goal is to keep pipes affordable for people. Um, but I don't think a lot of people realize how much work is still involved in a, a pre-mold stem. Uh, they don't come ready to fit on a pipe. You've, no. you've certainly got a lot, a lot of work to um, to make them fit and to uh, clean them up and polish them and make them look presentable. Um, the other thing I'm doing, um, I make a couple of cigar pipes here and there, um, which was another big fiasco that happened earlier this year that I won't won't get in into because um, I was told <laughs> told not to. But anyway, I do make all my own stems um, for those, and then also on my triple X series, which is I call it the triple distilled. All of those pipes do have hand cut stems, um, and those are the ones I'm selling for 150 plus or so, which are my nicer works. They've got you know your briar inlays and so on and so forth. But people will be surprised to find that. Um, you know, even on the bootleg series that I do, which are the $99 pipes, you're still going to find briar, you know, inlays, briar rings, um, a, a variety of different types of lucites and acrylic rings that I do. Um, German Cumberland, um, I'm, I'm actually been playing around with the mixing up German Cumberland on factory vulcanite stems, um, which looks really cool. Um, I'm also another thing I'm doing is um, using Delrin tenons on every single one of my stems, just because I, I personally think they're think they're the best option for pipes. Um, they don't expand and contract with heat. You're never going to have a, a loose Delrin tenon unless something happens inside the mortise on the briar pipe. And also, it's just uh, a way for me to offer my lifetime warranty on all my pipes, which people think that's crazy, but um, for me, you know, I know that if anybody ever sends me their pipe back, I can fix it. So therefore, I can offer, you know, my nice hefty warranty as far as tenon breakage and burnout. So. Wow. So besides pipe making, what else keeps you busy? I play the banjo. Um, I uh, I've been playing for about five or six years or so. It's something I got into. I'm a real big fan of bluegrass music. Um, I also like to do a little bit of home distilling and home brewing. Um, another another reason I name my company Moonshine Pipes. Um, definitely like to uh, play around with the with the still. But, uh, All right, wait, 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 wait. Time out. We've had yeah, a home we've I had thought... a home brewer on before. Now I want to find out about the distilling. Okay. So you are yeah. you're making your own real moonshine corn whiskey stuff yeah yeah um not as hard as most people think it's uh you know with the recent popularity and shows like moonshiners on the discovery channel and so on and so forth it's become a bit bit popular but um but yeah i um you know when you're when you're making your mash which is essentially beer um you know what you're doing is you're making beer first well not beer that you drink in the store, you know, that you buy in the store, but a high-proof beer that gets up to about 20% alcohol. Um, you know, you just take your corn, you take your sugar, you take your water, and you take your yeast, and you put it all together. You let it sit for a couple of days, and once it stops bubbling, you stick it in a in a still, which are easy to make. You can buy them online now. Um, <laughs> it's just pretty funny. You can have them shipped anywhere in the United States. Um, <laughs> and shortly after that, the sheriff shows up. 
Yeah, well, you know, yeah, if they're if they're going to chase people around for for making a little bit of homemade whiskey, then you know, then I, yeah, they they can. I'm sure they can find other things that are that are worthy of chasing <laughs> people for. But anyway, um, but yeah, you just put a fire under it, and you you got yourself some some homemade liquor, and you know, I do it here and there, and um, it's it's fun. It's it's definitely a nice nice change to drink your own uh, homemade spirits and um so it, yeah I, I do that i got does I've it got have a five-year-old wait, son. does your does the whiskey have flavor to it does it have a taste i mean can you make different tastes with it yeah well, absolutely um a couple of years ago somebody somebody had about 30 pounds of strawberries that uh they they didn't know what to do with so i went ahead and took strawberries off them Stuck them in a stuck them in a big old jug. Stuck, you know, added some sugar, some water, and some yeast, um, and made pretty much a strawberry wine. Um, it took about six or seven days to get it up to about twenty percent alcohol, and then it was ready to distill. You put that in your still, and you've got what's considered strawberry brandy that comes out of the still. It definitely has a you can definitely taste the fruitiness in it. Um, your all your traditional whiskeys are made either out of corn or rye or um, so on and so forth. But definitely with the corn whiskey, what makes moonshine um, popular is you can certainly taste the corn in it. Now you start thinking corn in whiskey, that doesn't sound sound too appetizing. I don't want to drink my corn. But I'll tell you what, once you get a taste of it, it's 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 uh, it's there's something to be said about the the taste of corn and corn and whiskey together it's um it's it's very it's definitely has its place in my heart so i'll tell you that so for those of you not on the uh not in the southeast united states this may seem a little strange to you <laughs> but it is very common to uh have somebody make their own whiskey make their own beer and at the same time make their own pipes and uh and you are raising a family at the same time absolutely yeah, yeah. I'm trying to juggle it all. I just went full time in pipe making. I owned a construction company for the last 13 years, and I'll tell you what, I felt like a 90 year old in a 90 year old's body. I'm only 32 years old, so I decided to slow down, um, liquidate, liquidated my company, and um, living off my savings right now, and and trying to get this pipe thing going um, full time now. So um, it's definitely been a struggle at, at times. A lot of times where I feel like, what the hell am I doing? I'm sitting in there at 4 o'clock in the morning cranking out pipes and wondering, hey, I hope this pays off. But um, but so far, it's 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 the people who've been buying them. It's the people who've been giving me the positive feedback um, that have kept me going. And um, I'm, I'm excited for what's to come. I, I can't see myself doing anything else for the rest of my life anymore. I'm going to stick to this, and um, you're definitely going to see a lot more what we're adding in the future that's for sure we're excited to see what what you do and we are going to wrap this up with the fast five final questions no right answer no wrong answer just whatever comes to your mind are you ready yes sir what is your favorite pipe my favorite pipe is uh actually a john hines pipe it's a, a basic basic pot style pipe that um he sold me a couple years ago, and it is my absolute favorite pipe. I can't go anywhere without it. It's part of my daily carry. What's your favorite tobacco? 
my favorite tobacco right now is Frogmorton Cellar. Um, so, something about it. It's, it's, I don't know if it's the whiskey cask piece cut out of it that's inside, but it's it's the smokiness that my palate is just craving for lately that I can't get enough of. And this will be interesting because <laughs> what's your favorite drink? <laughs> oh, uh, you know you know what my favorite drink is, Brian. But uh, <laughs> I'm gonna guess moonshine. Yeah, but. When I late nights in the shop, I, I I tend to sip on my diet Pepsi is my uh, is my go to lately, or or sweet tea <laughs> since we're in the south. Late nights, late nights in the shop with the moonshine, you come out a few digits short. There you go. <laughs> uh, when it's time to relax, is it a book, a movie, or music? Definitely music. Um, big fan of Hank Williams. Any any type of bluegrass music. A lot of the oldie stuff, a lot of stuff that people probably never heard of, but um, definitely music. I, I, the only show I watch these days that's worthwhile is Walking Dead. <laughs> can't, can't get enough of that, and definitely I have to wait till my five-year-old is asleep before I watch that one. But, uh, but yeah, that's about it. Um, and lastly, any particularly favorite uh, pipe-smoking-related memory? Oh, man. Every night... During the summer, this last summer, on my porch, is when I really started experiencing uh, the joys of Latakia. And um, I was given some vintage Syrian Latakia from from a friend. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if it was the way that the sun was setting or the or the fire, you know, the fireflies dancing in the yard or something. It was just a magical experience. When I finally realized that I was truly an English smoker, <laughs> uh, the Latakia, I don't know what, what it was, but, um, but just sitting there on my rocking chair on my front porch. Um, so far, that's, that's been, a, been a good memory. Um, uh, probably a little bit moonshine infused on that night. But <laughs> we, we did have a good firefly season this year, and uh, I think one of my favorite memories was when I really realized i just can't stand latakia so it was... uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah well i've got i've got faith in you some of us are defective make sure and check out his website moonshinepipes.com pick up yourself a little holiday gift or uh, point your uh, point your holiday gift buyers to it for you jonathan thank you very much thank you so much brian it's been a pleasure we'll be back in just a minute I'm Mark from Ohio, and I've tried so many tobaccos, but I just still can't find something that is just magical. A tobacco that I can fall in love with. I mean, I've tried reading reviews online and participating in forum discussions only to get burned. When I was about to give up, I discovered this amazing matching system for finding my perfect blend at SutliftTobacco.com. That's how I found my perfect blend, and I just love it. Finding the right tobacco doesn't have to be hard. There are lots of tobaccos waiting for you to fall in love with them. Finding that special tobacco shouldn't be left up to chance. Experience the magic of compatibility with our patented Perfect Match system. Try it at SutliffTobacco.com. Go to SutliffTobacco.com right now and find your perfect blend. There's nothing quite like a good book. Or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. 
It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. Welcome back. All right. A little corn, uh, a little corn whiskey sounds good about now. A little brown whiskey bourbon sounds really good. But I promise not to uh, drink and broadcast at the same time anymore, or at least for a while now. Um, all right. For music, thought we'd go back to Bing Crosby. This one's called uh, Count Your Blessings, and it's from the movie White Christmas. Thought it's kind of perfect for uh, Thanksgiving when you're supposed to be uh, counting what you're thankful for. So, here's the only man to have a pipe shape named after him that I know of. Here's Bing Crosby. When I'm worried, I can't sleep. I count my blessings instead of sheep I fall asleep Counting my blessings When my bankroll is getting small I think of when I had none at all I fall asleep Counting my blessings I think about a nursery And I picture curly heads And one by one I count them As they slumber in their beds If you're worried and you can't sleep Just count your blessings instead of sheep And you'll fall asleep Counting your blessings about a nursery and I picture curly heads and one by one I count them as they slumber in their beds if you're worried and you can't sleep just count your blessings instead of sheep, and you'll fall asleep, counting your blessings. Boy, could he sing a song. And uh, 
smoke a pipe at the same time. I wonder if he was actually uh, clenching a pipe while singing. We'll never know. You've got mail. From iTunes by way of a review by He Hates These Cans. I'm not sure what cans he's referring to, but the review is five stars. I look forward to this show each week. It makes for a good Sunday afternoon on the porch or in the den with the feet up, a pipe in one hand and a tea in the other. As more of a tobacco person than a pipe person, I prefer the interviews with blenders, but I enjoy them all. Keep up the good work. Uh, you know, it's funny as we all smoke tobacco and, uh, there are very there are much fewer tobacco blenders uh, than there are pipe makers. There's different pipe brands and pipe makers all over the place, but if you look at the actual pipe tobacco blenders and processors compared to pipe makers, it's got to be a, a, a one to twenty ratio. Uh, John Seiler writes on last week's show, Hi, Brian, simple solution, get lucite stems. Yeah, I'd, yeah, lucite stems make it easier on everything. Uh, seriously, I just keep the alcohol inside the pipe and never on the outside stem or bowl. Uh, Dom Flemons is a name I know from reading journals such as acoustic guitar and other music-related materials while learning banjo and guitar. I was also aware of the chocolate drops. Only after his music was played on this show did I realize that he was a pipe smoker. I've yet to smoke a pipe while practicing banjo or guitar. His six-string guitar is beautiful. Uh, Hot Chicken definitely sounds like an older piece. Rant, two guys in a room is sometimes too much. Four is definitely overcrowding. I agree with your rant. Great show. Uh, Casey Ghost writes... The easiest, safest way, the easiest and safest way to refurb a pipe or stem is giving it to someone who really knows how. Yes, he is right. Uh, and saying he knows how doesn't count. Seeing is believing. Buffing wheels are the banes of buyers, collectors of old pipes. They are terribly hard on markings. Yeah, uh, Casey Ghost does make a good point that if you hit that pipe too hard with a buffing wheel and you buff the markings off, you're lowering the value of your pipe. Uh, he goes on to write, I love the interview with Dom Flemons. His eclectic interest in old-time music is very refreshing. I saw the chocolate drops in KC when they appeared on the American Prairie Home Companion. They were sensational. I lived in Phoenix in the 60s, and you wouldn't call it a hotbed of old-time music, but it had a great, uh, but it had great Western music. The Western music of Marty Robbins' top drawer stuff. The music piece was very amusing. Rant. Some people are just stupid cheap. If you really needed to save $25 a person, you should just stay home. The guy that complained about the lack of sleep was probably the guy who insisted on the cockamamie idea. Hey, that's good. Now I know how to spell cockamamie. Uh, Dino writes... I enjoyed the show immensely. Dom is amazing, not only a terrific musician, but an absolute font of musical lore. I've been a fan for quite a while. I loved his work with the Carolina Chocolate Drops, and his new solo recording is just as fine. The photo with Dom smoking and picking is fabulous. You gotta see Dom and Rihanna do old corn liquor. I almost played old corn liquor for tonight. Thought it'd work well with the moonshine, but uh, we'll save it for a little bit. Uh, and Dino says uh, the rant was hilarious and spot on. 
Uh, fuel pump rights. Been a while since I've been able to get caught up on the weekly show. This week's show was a great way to jump back in. Good advice on getting some practice before you tie into your prized pipes. Also make sure that there is no one else around when practicing. Don't want anyone to see you make the mistakes or be around when you turn the air blue. Uh, if you have someone around, make sure they're wearing a suit of armor at least. Uh, at least they get a pipe embedded in their head. Uh, Dom was great to hear from. It was fun to hear his stories of all the histories of how he became the great musician he is today, as well as it was wonderful to hear about his six-string banjo and the appreciation he has for the old ways. I uh, got a few past shows to get caught up on now. Two people in one room is even tough. Is tough enough unless you're related or very close friends. I for sure would not do four in a room. That would be horrific. Uh, let me say one thing just to follow up on Dom. The other thing that I really enjoyed about him was I was just completely into his music and not into just his music, but into other people's music of the same genre. And for him, the pipe was a thing that, yeah, he enjoys it when he gets time. He knows what he likes. He's not real deeply into it because it's the music. But when he gets a chance to sit down with the pipe, he enjoys that as well. I also want to ask you all, please, if you get a chance, if you're in a foreign country, please email me the uh, uh, ratings and reviews that show up on your iTunes and if you're on iTunes, please give us a rating or review. We would appreciate that much. All right, based off the music and the way I'm feeling, I'm going to do a rave at the end of the show, and that will be coming up in just a few minutes. Cup of Joe's, a name you know, a name that you trust for all your tobacco needs. Exclusive pipes, pipe tobacco, accessories, pipe stands, and so much more. Cup of Joe's is the one place you can go and take care of every single one of your tobacco purchases. Fast shipping, friendly, professional service. One site, cupofjoes.com. And coming soon, their new line of smoking man pipes, cupofjoes.com. Quality products and extraordinary prices. Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achille Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs, comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. This is Internet Radio. Cowboy. Cowboy. Mm. 
So Thursday starts uh, Thanksgiving and the, the official holiday season here in the United States. And on Thursday on Thanksgiving, we're supposed to say what we're thankful for. The past two years, I've done the traditional thank yous for my friends and family and so on and so on. Well, I thought I'd sit back and be thankful for the little things in life that uh, that mean a lot to me. And first and foremost, let me say I'm, uh, I'm thankful for my pipes. Yeah, my pipes are my companions. They're my friends. They're... They're my uh, compatriots. They go everywhere with me. They treat me right. And now that I've learned how to smoke them right, I'm thankful for the tobacco. I'm thankful for the tobacco that goes in them. I'm thankful for the fact that I found tampers and lighters that I like to use and that I can trust and use them every day. It's the little things in life that make it all worthwhile. Yes, family and friends are very, very important. But at the end of each day, all the little things... I'm thankful for music, whether it be uh, Bon Jovi or Louis Armstrong or my favorite Disney soundtrack or whatever the music is. I'm thankful that we all have the opportunity to listen to music during the day. It helps pick me up. It keeps me company while I'm driving. Uh, Keeps me company while I'm sitting and working. Yeah, typing out emails or figuring out reports or whatever it is. I've always got some sort of music on in the background, and I'm thankful for music. Uh, I'm thankful for a couple of other podcasts out there that are all Disney-related, and they keep me connected to uh, to the Disney community and what's going on. I'm thankful for Wedway Radio, uh, The Sweep Spot, and Mousedalgia. All three are podcasts that I follow, and I listen to them, and I know the amount of work that it takes to put on something like that every week. Well, I'm thankful for the effort that they do because that means a lot to me. And then, uh, of course, there's Disney itself. You know, I'm thankful for everything that they do. Uh, Thankful for all my friends and family. Thankful for the entire pipe-smoking community that's accepted this little radio show and that I've been uh, working in and been a part of the hobby for, uh, oh, good Lord, longer than I could think. So... There you go. All right, next week's show, going to start doing some of my version of the Pipe Smokers Christmas list. So if you've got something that you want as a pipe smoker, let me know. Post it on the forums, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, and we'll do a, a, a my personal Pipe Smokers Christmas list for next week. Uh, Don't forget, we're still trying to put together the uh, Pipe Smokers Cruise for next September. So if you are interested in going on the cruise, we'll get final details coming up in January, February. Just send me an email, brian at pipesmagazine.com, and I'll get you on the email list for that. Uh, Looks like right now we might have about 12, 14 people. Uh, We do need to get it up to 16 cabins booked, so that's uh, 32 double occupancy also, coming up in the new year, start planning your uh, pipe your uh, pipe show visits and pipe club visits because getting out and getting around other pipe smokers and being out in public as a pipe smoker is extremely important, especially now and nowadays when, uh, I hate to say it, but uh, tobacco smoking is uh, not looked upon as, a, as an art form anymore, and we want to make sure and be out in public, so there you go. Uh, ratings and reviews on iTunes and Stitcher or Podkicker or wherever else you can do it. We appreciate those. Got any comments and questions at all for me, post them in the forums or email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. 
I wish you all in the United States a happy, healthy, wonderful Thanksgiving long weekend. For those of you in the rest of the world, let's kick off the holiday season in the right way and we'll play some, uh, get some holiday themed stuff going on here for you too. So with all that, thank you to Jonathan for joining me. Thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company. And until next time. Cares about the clouds when we're together. Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy The Pipes Magazine radio show is a professional broadcast brought to you by our sponsors and PipesMagazine.com. No donation or payment is required, although you do get what you pay for.